listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome to I Might Be Wrong. Henry, how are you? Good, thanks, Rich. Yeah, the sun is shining in the UK. It always makes us happy. Yeah, life's good. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. We, we have a guest. For the first time in the history of the podcast, we have got someone from, from overseas joining us. A friend of mine, Adrian, who I met while working in the States, um, she and I worked together for a long time, who is a fan of music that Henry and I know very little about. So we thought we'd, we thought we'd get her on. Adrian, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. Lovely to have you on. Does that make us an international podcast now with global appeal? I guess it does. It does. We have American listeners. So you, you better actually know your stuff here, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So one of the things that we discovered over many years of knowing each other is that we both absolutely love music, but we have quite different areas of music that we know quite a lot about. Tell us a little bit about what we're getting into today. So yeah, I'm joining you guys to chat a little bit, I think, about the world of country music. It's funny because I think my definition of country too, and probably the international definition of country is probably different. You know, where I I think country music has a very specific spot in American culture. But I think outside of America, lots of things are thrown into country music. Anything that sounds like semi-slow with the slightest bit of twang or guitar. (laughs) Like, Henry, I think I heard you on one of the other podcasts mention that the Eagles were country music. And I just I don't think of them as country music at all. (laughs) Yeah, 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 you're right. That they're. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were lumped into that bracket and I was being lazy because um, I guess in my, cause in, mm-hmm. in my head you've got this kind of country music being like your pickup trucks and kind of dancing around with your beers and your Stetsons now that's so stereotypical but still probably not what you're going to talk about today too much well yeah and I so I mean I think you know we've talked about discussing a few artists so I think country music can be bucketed into the, the tractors and the cowboy hats and the horses. And, you know, I think there's also an aspect of it, too, that is, you know, the type of instruments used, like a fiddle, a steel guitar, that kind of thing in terms of the sound. And then there's also, you know, other things that kind of are subgenres like a bluegrass yeah. or folk music, even swing music, like big band swing music. And then even within country world there's like classic country there's the pop country there's rockabilly and that's something where i think the uk has really only had maybe one or two of those genres make it over where it's either the big ballady country music or the very cheesy pop country certainly in the 90s that's all we really thought of as country but you you actually come from from texas so like that's a big part of texan culture right right so yeah so i grew up in texas there was a lot about my childhood that was stereotypically Texas. You know, I learned how to ride horses and I rode horses competitively, like, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, a big part of it was country music. I grew up going to rodeos. I remember, Rich, you and I went to like a company <laughs> event to go to a rodeo one time here in the U.S. And I was explaining yep. to everyone how it worked how they scored people, what you're, what they were trying to do. But yeah, I grew up in Houston, Texas, where there's actually the world's largest rodeo, um, you know, because we don't do anything small in Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. 
So yeah, it's it's been funny to like grow up in that world. And then I haven't lived in Texas for 15 years now or more. And so it's funny to then get outside of it and hear what everyone else thinks about Texans. And, uh, you know, we definitely have a stereotype that is partially true in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, even even aside from that, I mean, now you're based in Colorado and obviously the kind of Denver part of Colorado is quite techy upcoming part of the US, but you get outside of Denver and it's still very big country, Republican country kind of territory. Right. Yeah. Lots of cattle ranchers. And yeah, the other side of the state is extremely conservative in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you've brought an artist and an album that you refer to as being very kind of quintessential from a country perspective and, and a large chunk of your own personal music tastes when you were, were still growing mm -hmm. up, I guess, when this came out. Yeah. So your reference earlier to 90s country is very much the uh, realm that this artist and this album fits into. So I mentioned the rodeos that I used to grow up going to that were really big. Part of those rodeos was that at the end of every one, they had a big concert. Mm -hmm. And that would be a really big 90s country artist. Also, just to like set the stage a little bit, 90s country, I think like late 80s, 90s country is really when the country superstar came to be. Is that like Tim McGraw mm -hmm. and stuff like that? Yeah, like the biggest example is Garth Brooks. Garth right. Brooks, of course, yeah, yeah. But Tim McGraw, Clint Black, Trisha Yearwood, I mean, I could go on, but <laughs> Faith Hill. And so this artist, the one who I was the biggest fan of growing up is Reba McIntyre. Mm -hmm. I was part of the Reba fan club growing up. Every year I would go to the rodeo, see Reba McIntyre, play a show. My parents would get tickets or my like cool young aunt would take me and I would always get the t-shirt with the tour and everything on it and the big red hair flowing all over the t-shirt. But yeah, so in terms of the album I chose is the one where I most remember in terms of it having an impact on me, but then also the tactical things of like, I remember the photo on the cover art the mm -hmm. most. And like, that's the image I think of when I think of the Reba music I listened to all through my childhood. And the album is For My Broken Heart. Yep. And it's a pretty sad album, as the uh, title suggests. You know, it's also got some other interesting pieces to it. And it's got just a, a crazy story around it in terms of, it being the album that she released after her entire band died in a plane crash. Whoa. It was a really interesting one from my perspective to to start listening to because I started listening to it and I'm like, this doesn't sound like what I think of when I think of country music. It's 90s, almost pop balladry, a lot of it. And it's it beautiful, really beautifully done, very classically recorded. The thing that sounds country to me is more the vocals and the vocal styles and the massive amount of reverb that you've got uh, and that that to me is the thing that i guess sounds most country but it sounds like from your perspective this is just one of a large swathe of not pop country but like that kind of balladry country i do think in part of the like country's creation of this like country superstar 
I mean, that was the turning point when country music started to veer into the pop realm. Those were the artists that created the country music we have today that can flex in and out of pop world, even though they might be singing about tractors, it's still very much pop catchy music. Mm-hmm. I, I do also think like if you listen closely to some of the like steel guitars and some of that stuff in there, you can see and she also just has a twang, <laughs> that southern country accent and inflection. Yeah, because I didn't know her through singing. I, I googled her name and it came up with um, her acting in Tremors, the film with Kevin Bacon. And she was in that film, I think a year before this album came out. So she's kind of multi-talented, I guess. She's, um, she plays quite a kind of almost comedic character, firing shotguns at things squirming around underground in this kind of weird kind of Western horror movie. But that's how I know her. So um, it's kind of weird now watching someone from my childhood who I was kind of... Because I watched that film loads of times, so I kind of know her very well. But I had no idea. Actually, the bigger part of her life was she's a superstar, I guess, or a big old star in the, in the music world. So that is quite cool. Yeah, and she also was Annie Oakley. She uh, had her Reba sitcom for a while. I doubt that made it over there. But... Uh, okay, so was she the star in that too? Yeah, so it was called Reba, and it was just it was a sitcom about uh, modern family that got divorced. Whatever. It was on for several seasons. So yeah, she's definitely veered in and out of the acting world yeah because the other thing i was surprised at was just the number of albums that she's got she's just like she's just non-stop mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so much music has her music changed over time um in some ways yes in terms of just maybe style and like evolving as music styles evolve i mean when you listen to the for my broken heart record it very much is of a time <laughs> so you know her style has gotten modern over time but at the same time though her her music over time is still very focused around like storytelling, which I think is a lot of what ties all the different country subgenres we were talking about together is just this storytelling aspect, you know, that's keeping in terms of folk music and all of that as well. So she still very much leans towards songs that generally take you through like a narrative arc. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, well, like even some of the song titles in there, you kind of know where you're heading like the greatest man i never knew and he's in dallas and stuff where it's like yeah okay i can pretty much guess what this song's going to be about it's quite it's yeah it's quite emotional i guess yeah and so that's where like when i look back on it because i was listening to that album when i was like seven years old or something like that and it's one of those you know now i was listening to it and it was like hitting me a different way because i've actually been through things in my life now and had profound experiences and you know it's funny to think that I remember my parents like when I would insist that we play it in the car yeah (laughs) I remember them I remember them being just like this is so sad why do you want to listen to this (laughs) and you know it's just I didn't I didn't understand and I was just exploring all of these emotions that I didn't really understand and you know I think it's interesting looking back on it and the like the story that precedes it about her losing her entire band ahead of it and like all the pain that you hear through that is really real which i think the crash it'll be 30 years in march this year it's definitely it's a weird anniversary Mm. weird time to be listening to it you know especially with everything else going on in the world and then you know me personally too 
um, you know, the kind of profound thing about it when I was listening back on it is that like the like cool young aunt who used to take me to those concerts, like she actually passed away. Oh, wow. While I was, while I was in college. And so, yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. It's, um, it's amazing how, especially when you're younger, memories like that can be so formative and they can stay with you and like almost you can disappear right back to like I've got similar moments with music where you just hear hear one song and you hear the introduction and it's like bam you're 20 years back and you're you're reliving a, a memory all over again so yeah I totally understand that yeah it's the cool thing about music right <laughs> yeah absolutely so in terms of the actual album itself, are there specific tracks that uh, you'd you'd recommend to people to get into? Oh, um, well, so probably my favorite track, again, like recognizing my nostalgia around the mm-hmm. album. Like, I think it's super funny that I got two Brits to go listen to <laughs> the album from the 90s. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think the the coolest song that holds up the most that people should listen to is her cover of the night the lights went out in Georgia, mm-hmm. which is like a seventies pop song that she covers on the album. That's just super cool. Has super cool sound is a, you know, is a dramatic story about a murder investigation. That's probably the one that holds up the most in terms of today. Mm-hmm. And then from there, let's see. I mean, I love for my broken heart. You know, I think it just has, just some really great lyrics about a breakup and a broken heart, which I think a lot of people can identify with. Yep. Last night I prayed the Lord my soul to keep, then I cried myself to sleep. So sure life wouldn't go on without you. You know, the whole premise of the song is why isn't the world stopping my heart so broken? Like why why is why is life still going on? Don't people realize that right. <laughs> I'm falling apart over here? Because I I listened to that song and I my head went towards Celine Dion almost in that kind of really slow. Her voice isn't that similar, but my parents played loads of Celine Dion records when I was younger, and so it's like okay, that sounds a bit like that. But the night the lights went out in Georgia, that's the one that I recognise, and I I don't know whether it's from the album. I, I had never heard the album before, so I've heard it somewhere. But I, and I'm not sure whether, whether it's the cover or whether I've heard the original. I'm not sure, but I do recognize the song. Yeah, the original is Vicky Lawrence. Okay, yeah, cracking song. It's great. <laughs> yeah, lyrically, I think, obviously, you mentioned that it, the album is dated to the 90s. It definitely feels of that era. Uh, it's, not, it's not one of those timeless albums that you can't really tell when it's from. But lyrically, there's some just some beautiful stuff in here. I think it was if I'd only known like some of the lyrics in there are just really really touching and that that I think is a real strength of this music even though it's not as a male in my late 30s it's not the kind of thing that I'd spend loads of time listening to but it's certainly interesting to see how this stuff's written and and how that would drag you into kind of listening to it more yeah and I think I've always been a very lyrics driven listener and this is probably where it started and I think this is something, you know, a lot of women can identify with, but the, is there life out there was another mm-hmm. one too, that like listening through and now being a, a 
a working mother and it's about a woman who gets married young and is just wondering like, okay, I'm in the day to day of life. You know, how do you break out of it? I'm also in my late thirties and you know, it's like, okay, what am I doing with my life? And not that I don't love my family and my children and enjoy every day together, but, and especially in COVID times where you're like, every day is Groundhog Day. Yeah. And that's particularly, I guess, from my perspective or from a UK perspective, we do have a bit of this stereotype of Americans that grow up in the hometown and never leave and, you know, never go and explore the world. And so that feels very authentic to some of those American experiences. And I'm guessing Texas is probably one of those places as much as anywhere else. Yep. That's a real thing. I definitely know plenty of folks who live in the same neighborhood we grew up in. It's one of those things where I think it's great that people are comfortable and they have those support systems of family kind of all being nearby. You know, I certainly miss the fact that like, especially now that I have a kid that my parents aren't nearby and I don't necessarily get to see my son that often and things like that. Yeah. Especially in quarantine. But yeah, but then there's also the aspect of, to be frank, of people not getting outside their own worlds and experiencing other other types of people, other, you know, maybe you grew up in the suburbs and you've never really been a part of the big city and understand what the challenges are of living in the big city. You know, I consider myself lucky for making the decision, having the ability to move to New York City and meet all different kinds of people and experience other cultures in that way. And not that you have to do that to get those experiences, but I do think there's there's some reality to that. Absolutely. And music's such a great way of understanding other cultures and making those connections. And that's, I mean, that's part of the reason why we love having guests on because there's people like yourself who know large swathes of music that, that we just we just don't know at all. With her music and with this album, was this a high point or did she become bigger and bigger after she released this in the 90s? Where, where was she in her career when when this album came out? That's a good question. You know, I think this was, and given what we talked about, like she has a very varied career in terms of singing and acting. In terms of her country superstardom, I feel like she was already there, but yeah. this kind of pushed it over the top. This and probably the album or two following this. But, but yeah, I think this was one of those albums and also just the story around it really kind of brought her to the forefront of country music. The other thing like that I had remembered, but I like made sure I like looked it up and verified the details from my memory uh, <laughs> back in the 90s. She performed at the Academy Awards nine days after the crash happened. Wow. Because she was singing a song that was nominated. And one of the crazy parts of the story is that Dolly Parton actually lent her her band leader to help her get the performance together, get musicians, get people to know the music and all that stuff so that she could perform. Talk about like, you know, Dolly Parton is an amazing person and I adore her (laughs) and she's a super talented musician. But like that's just it's one of those things, one of those stories about Dolly Parton, too, that shows how amazing she is, but also shows like where Reba was in her stardom that Dolly Parton's like, here, (laughs) have my band leader um and you know it's just a crazy story surrounding it and then the album comes out and you can really feel through all of these songs the heartbreak 
Yeah, because Dolly Parton in in the states, she's the stereotypical country female singer songwriter, and she's she's really well known in the UK in a way that right. Reba isn't. So, if if you ask most people who are older than us they'd probably know who Dolly Parton is. She, she came across the Atlantic. She was in the charts. You could see her picture in a paper and people would know who she is. She's headlined Glastonbury. Well, she's yeah, she's exactly. huge over here. Yeah, but that's about it. Reva McIntyre, on the other hand. Yeah. What, nah, way over my head. Yeah. Dolly Parton, I, I want to emphasise, Dolly Parton's an absolute badass. Yeah. I love the fact that she's just <laughs> yes. like, I don't give a shit. Like, people can think whatever they want of me. I know who I am. I'm true to myself. This is who I am. And she's she sounds like she's just a really genuinely kind, wonderful person and doesn't give a shit, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even like in the last couple of weeks, there was a news story about her. People were trying to put up a statue of her. And she was like, no, you don't need to put up a statue of me. If you want to do it when I die, fine. But don't, no. Like, there are plenty of other people you can right. um, put statues up to commemorate. Yeah. So you mentioned the two albums following these. Are those albums that you would suggest to people to go and listen to if they want to get the best out of her? Or are there other albums that you actually prefer, even though they're not maybe part of her her biggest peak of her career? Um, uh, let's see. So the other big one, which I think was like really the peak of her country music stardom, is Read My Mind, which came out in '94. For My Broken Heart was 91. Her stardom continued in other ways. Like I was saying earlier about her sitcom that she had for multiple years. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think Read My Mind was also of that time. You know, and there's obviously like number one albums and stuff that have a lot of core tracks on them. But Any particular tracks that stand out from other places that you've enjoyed of hers? I mean, the number one track is a track called Fancy. And I think I feel like everyone in the US knows that song, but I guess you guys probably don't have nope, ever I, heard of it. I don't know it. Okay. So that one you have to listen to. It's also a great karaoke song. And this was a song she would also like open a lot of concerts with. So I saw her again at the rodeo once. And it was in the Astrodome, which was quoted the eighth wonder of the world as like one of the first perfectly round dome arenas. Anyways. Mm -hmm. But she came out of the ceiling on a platform wearing like a trench coat and in the song. So it's basically about a family that uh, is starving, maybe homeless. And basically that it's about a woman named fancy mm -hmm. who is coming of age and her mom basically pushes her out onto the streets to become a prostitute. And she becomes kind of a high-class prostitute. But the song is about her mom getting her dressed and, like, putting her in this red velvet dress with a slip all the way up to my hip, is, like, the line. Mm -hmm. And so when she sings that line, she, like, rips off the trench coat <laughs> and has this red velvet dress with a big slit on it. And so, yeah, I mean, that is the quintessential Reba song that I think... Everyone in the U.S. probably knows if they have any uh, exposure to country music from the 90s. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening to it now and it's quite dramatic. Mm -hmm. Although it's interesting that you say it's a karaoke song because at first listen, it doesn't seem like the kind of karaoke <laughs> song I'd sing. 
the chorus can be very, I think, cathartic because it's like, right. here's your one chance fancy, don't let me down, is the chorus. It's one of those that you can like sing very dramatically. Uh, okay. You know, I also have Celine Dion as a go-to on karaoke, so. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like in, in the UK, if you put on like 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton, that is a karaoke song which you'd get everyone singing because it's just a classic. And <laughs> Yeah, and maybe it won't work. Maybe if you guys just do karaoke in the US, you could, you could <laughs> pull it out. But uh, yeah, I mean, if it, <laughs> it works better, people know it. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. So you've you've seen Reba a lot of times. Sounds like live, yeah. and I mean, it sounds like she's put on some amazing performances, like proper, full-on, massive superstar-style performances. Oh yeah, like dancers, the whole thing. Yeah, and it was one of those things too. I think it also spoiled me a little bit because <laughs> she put on such a big show and then I would go to other concerts that weren't that. And I'd be like, and I think there was a period of time too, where we had kind of the big pop stars of the nineties too, that would put on big shows, you know, the Britney Spears and the Insinks, but you know, which Britney Spears is very top of mind with the yep. new documentary and everything out. And then there was this kind of lull where like people just didn't perform in the same way anymore i felt like you know it was like just people up there singing songs and you were lucky if you got someone who was like a good storyteller and could kind of entertain you in between songs and then you know it kind of came back with the likes of like Katy perry and taylor swift and those kinds of folks but yeah i I remember there was a period of time where i was like god i miss i miss those country music shows with all of their flair and entertainment and yeah so in terms of Obviously, you talked about her being a huge influence on your tastes from a very early stage of your kind of musical uh, development, I guess. Is it just she opened up all of that country music stuff to you or are there specific artists that you think you got into because of her style? Um, I mean, I think it was just more of a it was just more of a culture of the time Mm -hmm. in terms of 90s country. Like, right. Like you had radio was really big. We didn't have streaming music. You didn't have the access to artists and like new artists and up and coming artists in the same way that you do now. Like you were really kind of told what to listen to by radio. And I was listening to country music radio (laughs) (laughs) or the occasional oldies station or my parents would put on like Bob Marley or something or the police. Mm-hmm. you know like their music so it was just like the kind of country music world at the time like i said like all those artists i mentioned earlier like the garth brooks and whatnot you know those were just all the records you listen to because that always came across in because my exposure and probably a lot of people in the uk is through three films and a lot of 90s films in america if, if you had someone driving down a dirt road in the desert you'd hear the the radio coming through and you'd you'd hear all these songs i mean we wouldn't i wouldn't recognize any of them but there was a, it was the sounds that you hear when you're watching someone in america drive through the desert it's just it's just what what happened that's that's, that's life over there so it's funny how it kind of seems so familiar to me even though growing up in kind of cold rainy england it's so familiar from a childhood because of the films that we used to watch yeah yeah, yeah i'd agree with that i think certainly there wasn't it wasn't really that culture for us in that way. It's, it's just a fascinating kind of thing to to see how different that was out in Texas in the 90s versus over in the UK in the 90s. 
Well, I mean, I even remember moving to New York City in the early 2000s, and there wasn't a country radio station in New York City. And I was just so surprised by that. <laughs> Talk about opening up my, like, my mind to like the way different parts of the country and the world operate. But it was just like, why don't, why isn't there a country radio station? This doesn't make any sense. We've got like 20. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I can imagine that. Because I mean, the States is so huge that moving from Texas to New York is like... Yeah. Moving from the UK to, I don't know, like Greece or something. It's just completely different. It is. Cool. Well, thanks so much for giving us some education on on country music. It's been been fascinating stuff. Really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it was a blast. I loved uh, taking the time machine back. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're all about. Yeah, so we will absolutely have to try and get you back on soon to talk more about some of the American music that we we will have absolutely not heard of. <laughs> yeah, happy to. This is a blast. Cool. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong.